This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Steve Brandy on Newsmakers sitting in for Linda Bolton. And today I brought in Danville Fire Chief Don McMasters really for two reasons, coming out of one season, going into another. Chief, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. All right, Chief McMasters, let's start with fires over the winter. Always too many of them, of course, but ones that I noticed and went out and looked at, took a couple pictures for the website. It seemed to be two things. You had some empty structures catch on fire. Now, that could be a wiring issue or an invasion issue, someone trying to keep warm. And then, unfortunately, some others had to deal with space heaters. It happens every winter, no matter how many times you warn people, be careful with space heaters. What about your summation of what happened most uh, on the calls you had over the winter months? Uh, For the most part, you've pretty well covered it. Uh, We had a couple fires, and and they weren't significant of fires per se, Uh, but uh, smoke scares, slight burn situations. Uh, dealing with chimneys as well, uh, chimney that didn't get cleaned out well, that kind of thing. But for the most part, you're right. Uh, we had we we had several over the winter that were typically the vacant structures. In most cases, electrical or gas had nothing to do with those. They were either caused by somebody that had nothing better to do with themselves that, that broke in and set a fire, or in in a couple instances with a, some small situations, people that were utilize try to utilizing some type of something to keep them warm basically squatters in a squatter type situation uh we we have had some fires as well and re- related to the uh, uh the over uh, i'm sorry the uh, space heaters two things usually come into play with the space heaters the most common is people want it in a place and there's not a outlet nearby so they will plug an extension cord into it to get it to the next outlet. Well, a couple things play into that. 90% of the time they buy a one of those little cheap brown or white extension cords um, to do that. Those are rated for about two-thirds of the voltage that a, that a space heater actually draws. People wouldn't think that little bitty space heater that's about the size of a 12-pack of Pepsi would draw so much electricity, but they draw significant amount, amounts of electricity. And the, the cords aren't rated for it, so the cord will overheat. It'll get hot. It'll start melting through, and then it'll either arc or it'll start to carpet on fire underneath of it or whatever is close by to it. Also, in certain instances with certain houses, older structures and stuff, even the wiring in the wall that the outlet they plug into may not be rated high enough for a space heater of that much draw in some of the circumstances. Now, when you talk about those brown or white extension cords, I know exactly what you mean. The real thin ones that we often use to put our Christmas tree lights on. Even in those cases, they could be dangerous because they are small. And then when you talk about trying to use, I mean, of course, a space heater uses a lot of energy because it pumps out all Mm -hmm. that heat. You really do need a better power cord for something like that. Correct. And again, just just as an example, um, your average typical outlet that you go buy at Menards or Lowe's or one of those places and put in the wall in your house that has the wiring going to it, those are rated for 15 amps. 
the outlets themselves are. One of those, a typical one of those uh, space heaters will draw anywhere from 11 to 13 or 14 amps just out of that space heater alone. So now you plug the space heater into that outlet plus a lamp or your phone charger or something else. Those are other issues that you're that you're putting into play. And of course, we're never going to stop people from using space heaters. I love them too in certain situations. Some people like to have extra heat in the bathroom with a space heater. Some people like to have extra heat in the bedroom with a space heater. It helps them sleep at night. They don't want to jack the furnace up to 75, so they use a space heater while they're sleeping. So if you have to use a space heater and they're always going to be around, what are some things we need to remember besides using the proper extension cords? Um, If you absolutely have to use an extension cord, don't go to the dollar store and buy the $2 brown extension cord. Make sure that it's an extension cord that is rated for the same voltage that the outlet you're plugging it into is. Again, if the outlet's rated for 15 volts, then the extension cord needs to be rated for at least 15 volts. It, that's, that's an acceptable. Um, ideally, put it in such a way, locate, move some things around. If it's especially on the cold winter, if that's your concern, move some things around, relocate some things where you can plug it in directly to the wall, directly to the outlet, no extension cords necessary. Uh, the other big one, obviously, that comes into play in a lot of cases with the with the uh Uh, the small space heaters there should be absolutely nothing that is combustible within three foot all the way around that thing so basically a three foot diameter around it there should be absolutely nothing that's combustible Uh, for instance a lot of times again in a sleeping situation at night in the bedroom they want to put it as close to their bed as possible because that's what they're going to get the maximum heat I understand where you're coming from, but all it takes is you to roll over one time and kick your cover off or whatever if it's down at the corner of the bed, near the bed, and kick that cover into it. Well, now you're waking up to smoke and heat basically right next to you at your at the foot of your bed or at the side of your bed or worse, obviously worse than that can, can possibly. Um, so keep them away from everything three foot you're going to lose a little bit of the heat you're going to get from that unit by having it three foot away from your bed but that just that should the other side of that coin is that should help you sleep a little better at night knowing that if it's at least three foot away from your bed your dresser your dirty clothes on the floor anything else you'll wake up tomorrow morning and you might be a little chilled but you'll be able to wake up tomorrow morning. well two points there it's called a space eater so think of the word space leave as you said a three-foot radius leave space around the space heater and number two close your bedroom door what what, what do our par- that's what our parents always told us if we had a separate heater in a room or an air conditioner you close the door to that room you are heating or cooling it's pretty simple well and that and that goes twofold in any respect from the sense stance of from my fire stance as well as we are concerned anyway whether you're utilizing a space heater or not, whether it's summertime and you are you have your air conditioner on, you should close your bedroom door at night when you're sleeping anyway. There are so many statistics, and obviously if we weren't on radio, I could show you pictures of how much of a difference it makes if there is a fire that starts, for instance, in your kitchen, in your laundry room, something of that effect through the night that the door stops all that from coming in to the effect of making the difference between you waking up to the smell of smoke or to an alarm going off and getting out of that room and the room is virtually untouched versus you have that door open, that fire is going to be in the room with you before you know it's there in most cases. 
So regardless of whether or not you're using a space heater, you should sleep with your door closed at night anyway. But this just adds fuel to the fire, if you will. The fact that if you close that door up, that contains that heat from that space heater inside that room with you. And you'd be surprised how much difference that'll make. And you'll probably end up kicking the covers off. And we'll be definitely reviewing all this going into next winter. These are important reminders. Steve Brandy sitting in for Linda Bolton on Newsmakers and Chief Don McMasters from the Fire Department is here. Now, the second reason we brought him in today, like it or not, we're into March. Yes, spring is coming, but that means severe weather season. And paramedics that don't just rescue people from fires, they can be rescuing people from tornado damage. I mean, talk about that. When a paramedic is trained, they are trained for all emergencies, all rescue situations. That's correct. Um, we, we, again, the the old adage of if you don't know who to call, they always call the fire department, uh, as well as the paramedics, if, if they don't know who to call. Anything from I stubbed my toe to the worst that could potentially happen, we get called for it. Uh, so absolutely, um, we, again, in a tornado situation, not only are we concerned about any residents that might be have been in the path of that, the uh, condition of the structures that they may still be in. So we have to take a lot of things into consideration. We need to get to that person as a patient and get to them and assess them and treat them as quickly as possible. But just like with a fire or anything else, for instance, us running into a fire, we run into a fire with all that protective gear and an air pack because if we run into the fire in our street clothes like they were in when they were subjected to it, we're not helping them if we become another victim. So in the same case with a tornado or anything of that nature, trees falling, high wind situation, a tree falls into a house and, and damages it and there's people potentially inside we have to get to that person as soon as possible to treat them, but we can't help them if we're injured too. So we need to make sure the structure is sound, make sure we can get into it, get him out of it in a rapid fashion so that we're all safe and we get them outside away from the con- potential further concerns and then we treat them. And of course, what we want is nobody to get hurt in the first place. So let's go back to the basics. We talk about this Every time severe weather season is upon us, and we talk about this a little bit during the winter too, but the difference between a watch and a warning, and they do this with winter storms as well, but it's more important, I feel, with tornadoes. A watch means conditions are favorable that a tornado or a severe storm could develop. A warning means there's already one out there. There's already a tornado out there or a funnel cloud has been spotted. A warning is more disturbing than a watch. It's more urgent. But really, as soon as you hear the word watch, tornado watch, severe storm watch, that's the red flag. Be ready. Stop your plans and be thinking first and foremost, where am I going? Where can I go for safety? Do I have to leave the house? Should I just be more concerned about keeping myself and my family's safe. And sometimes, Chief, we just ignore all that, thinking, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And really, that's the first thing you got to remember. Take all this seriously. Absolutely. Um, again, if you have a basement, if you have a basement in your residence, the absolute most safest place you can be is in the basement of your residence. If you do not have a basement, uh, interior rooms, preferably anything that's on the inside of your structure that doesn't have any windows to it. In my particular case, I actually have a utility room that is centrally located with rooms all the way around it, uh, that's the safest place to be in my house. Now, 
with that, it's got a washer and a dryer and a furnace and a water heater in it. It would be kind of tight quarters for three or four of us to be in there with it. But we can deal with the tight quarters until the, the problem has passed, and then we will deal with the tight quarters. That's better than the, the other result. Um, yeah, you know, you do not want to try to get in your car and leave the area. If, if you're, if we're given a warning that there is something nearby, there's a reason we're given a warning that something's nearby. Uh, don't get in your car and try to leave. Uh, that's not a good place to be as in a vehicle. If something comes through, passes through, you're better off again in an interior piece of your structure as, as much as possible. Can I speak from experience? I made that mistake a few years ago. I was single and renting a house along the Kankakee River south of Wilmington. And we had some bad storms in our area, and there was one coming, and a guy called me who's a, for beg my pardon for Rusty, he's a weather geek. He immediately knows what's going on. He said, Steve, you got to get out of there. I did drive north on Route 53 to Joliet to a friend's house to spend the night. That was a mistake because as I'm driving north on 53, the rain gets thicker and thicker. Mm-hmm. There were other people trying to outrun it, and when I got there, to my friend Sally's house, I said, that wasn't very smart. So when you first think I can run it, no, because when you're out there, you don't know which way it's coming. I learned a big lesson that day. Absolutely. Weather is as unpredictable as it could possibly be. For instance, in this in that situation, you may get a warning that says, for right where we're sitting right now in the middle of Danville, you may get a warning that says, we have a tornado heading towards Danville. It's currently in St. Joe or Homer or, yeah. And you think, well, that's 15 miles from here. I've got time to jump in my car and head north or south, knowing it's heading east towards me to get away from it. Well, the problem is one, um, just because it's currently heading east, don't mean it's going to continue to head east. And number two, as soon as you get in your car and get three blocks down the road, a another funnel cloud that wasn't on the radar five minutes ago may pop up and it may pop up where you're driving and just stay where you are find a safe place now let's go back to the basement thing i'm lucky where i live in iroquois county we not only have a basement we have an interior room in the basement a storage room that we call the dugout that's exactly where we went when the sirens went off one time last summer if you have a completely open basement which most of them are i remember when i was in second grade the weatherman in indianapolis bob mclean came to our school and he said go to the southwest or west corner of your basement that was 1975 hasn't that changed since then or do they still say that i i i can honestly say that not a specific corner mm-hmm. again not a specific corner that i am aware of is the best place but a exterior wall corner ideally is the best place, be it whichever corner. Now, ideally, if, for instance, and again, I, this is just speculation, if it's coming from, in, for instance, if it is coming from the west heading this way, that sh- should you be in the west, in the west, southwest west corner so that it's going over, it's getting past you, anything that would be falling in will be falling in towards the middle of the room away from you. Uh, but regardless of that, again, basement walls are obviously fairly, fairly well uh, strength-wise. But and the best place for any wall, be it a basement wall or otherwise, is in a corner where two walls come together. That makes it the most stable point. So in a corner in the basement, 
is ideal, be it whatever corner, is probably the most ideal location. Steve Brandy for Linda Bolton on Newsmakers, talking to Fire Chief Don McMasters about severe weather season coming. You know, let's go back to where if you don't have a basement. And when I was raising my daughter in Wheaton, I didn't. We had a ranch house. Our place was either the bathroom or there was a little pantry closet off the kitchen. It was an interior room, but there was a hot water heater in there with it. So we were never quite sure what was the best. There was a crawl space you could get to through a hole in the floor in the pantry. Uh, what do you think we should have done all those years in Wheaton? You know, um, there can be argument for not going, again, just like I stated with mine, um, my most centrally located room is does have the water heater and a furnace in it. Now, it's an electric. There, my house particularly is all electric. Is that a big major concern for us being in there with those electric fixtures? There's a possibility of that, sure. Right next to there, I also have a restroom, a bathroom that is all centrally, for the most part, centrally located as well. So would that be a better bet maybe to stay away from the water heater and the furnace? Probably yes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, in most cases, if the power is going to, be it the lines get pulled off your house, whatever the power goes off, it's going to pull the power away from those units that you're sitting next to anyway. But if you have a, a better, a, a just as well location to go to to avoid being near those, absolutely. When I was working for the other radio station in town when I was a teenager in the 80s, one of my best friends there at the time, we both agreed, if we're ever here when a tornado comes, we're going to the little interior bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Never had to worry about it, but that's the that's the thing. Have a plan. And again, what I just said where I was working, know what to do when you're at work. Where do you go when you're at work? What are your coworkers going to do? Because you're not going to be home all the time when yeah. he's hit. Right. Uh, sure. Uh, just like everything else. I mean, your, your, your business should have an evacuation plan. They should have a semi, some type of a plan in place in a tornado situation where they go. It, some do, some don't. Uh, it's not that's not the way it used to be anymore same way with your schools in most cases your schools obviously do have a plan your kids your your teachers know exactly where to take your kids to pick put them safe if there's a, if there's a tornado coming through think back of the days when if your if your business does not have a plan per se think back of the days when you were a kid where they take you they basically took you out to the centrally located hallway they tucked you in right close and tight right up against a wall again in, in, in the school, in most cases, those walls in a lot of times were block walls, so they were very strong walls. They had you, you know, get down on your, on your, and cross your legs and put your head down right up against the wall, not out in the middle of the hallway. So just think back where, when you were a kid, look at your business. Where would I go? Is there a central, it, does there offices down both sides of a hallway and there's a centrally located hallway? Is there offices surrounding a, copier room or a supply room that's in the centrally located in the building where there's plenty would be plenty of room for you to go into that copier room or that centrally located supply room again if it's a multi-story structure if you work on the second floor of this business ideally obviously you're not going to stay on the second floor we're moving down to at least the first floor if they have a basement we're moving to the basement and if you're out shopping somewhere, I would say do whatever the manager of the store tells you because they've been trained for it. They've done drills. Go where they tell you. You don't have yes. time to run out of the store and get to your car. Exactly. And again, once again, 
it's probably not your most wise bet to go to your car out in the middle of an open parking lot anyway, whether you've got time to get there or not. So absolutely listen to what they tell you. Again, if they are in panic or you don't see someone or whatever, think back to, again, just like your childhood. Go to a interior wall. Go to a wall that's, that is the supporting wall between two businesses, so one of the side walls of the business. Um and stay close, you know, stay close, stay tight to the wall. And another thing, what if you are in your car driving somewhere when the storm hits? I remember being told, get off the side of the road and get to a low point, get into a ditch. You've got to get into a ditch. And the one thing a lot of people do that's wrong, don't go under a bridge because you could be crushed. It gets you out of the rain. You might think I'm safe here. No, don't go under an overpass. And a lot of people in that situation, they panic and they just do the wrong thing. Well, and also the problem with going under an overpass, um, there's only so many overpasses on any given stretch of road, and you're not the only person on the road. And so when you go under an overpass and pull over and stop there, not only are you binding up and bottlenecking all the other traffic that's got to go through that underpass that are continuing to move, but you stop here the guy behind you stops there. The guy behind you stops there. Next thing you know, you've got six vehicles trying to cram under this over underpass, which is even bottlenecking the situation further. Now, not only are you concerned about potentially the, the problems with the tornado coming through, you've got the concern of you getting run over by a semi or something on the interstate that's still moving. Let's talk about lightning, Chief, because that scared me more than tornadoes when I was a kid, when the lightning was so close that the lightning and the thunder happened at the same time, and it was loud. Lightning can cause fires, and when you've got lightning that close, same thing as a tornado, go to your basement, what would you say? Uh, You know, um, lightning's a different thing. I mean, lightning, if it would hit the structure, it's going to go through the structure through through avenues that it will, you know, it'll go through the electrical wiring, so forth, so on. In most cases, again, we do have a lot of fires, a significant amount, I shouldn't say a lot, a significant amount of fires due to electrical, due to lightning strikes. Uh, And in in much cases, what they will do is they will strike, they will cause some kind of an electrical issue that's an electrician's job to worry about, not mine, but some kind of an electrical issue with your furnace or your air conditioning or something like that, which then causes potential electrical problems in the house, which then could start a fire or so forth. Um, but as far as your safety is concerned, if there's lightning close by near around you, I can't give you, I, I, I'm not going to say to give you a specific other than do the same thing as you would with a with, you know, to the similar as you would with, with a tornado coming. Stay to a centrally located place. Stay away from, don't go to the room that has your furnace in it, your water heater in it, because, again, if lightning would happen to strike your house, it's going to come down through that. If you're leaning against it, that's obviously not a good thing. So you want to go to a centrally located place, if ideal, with away from your large appliances. Stay out of your kitchen where your refrigerator, your microwave, those sort of things are. And, of course, thunder and lightning often comes before the tornado comes. So, that sure. again, that's a red flag. Be ready. Do you have a tornado watch? Do you have a tornado warning? Or by then you have a severe storm warning. So listen to your radio. We will give you the updates. Now, here's something my dad said to me when I was about eight. I want to know if he was right. 
We were pulled off to the side of the road. It wasn't a tornado. It was just a really bad lightning storm, heavy rain, so we couldn't drive in the heavy rain. Then the lightning was real close. And he told me, look, just don't touch anything metal. Being in the car is maybe the safest place to be when a lightning strike, as long as it'll go through the car. But if we're not touching anything, we'll be fine. I mean, was there some truth to that? Or You know, I'm not a weather as you said earlier, weather geek, uh, I do believe there is some truth to that. Obviously, you're sitting on four rubber tires. Um, is, is it? Are you better to be in the car as opposed to jumping out of the car and going and laying in a ditch? Um, I, I, I'd say you could. One could play that either direction. Exactly. Of course, in this case, it was just lightning. I think more than anything, he was trying to calm me down. I'm know? sure. I'm sure. Probably to some extent, yeah, that had yeah, a hand in too. Yeah. I, I've I've heard that on more than one occasion as a kid growing up as well. Hmm. Uh, another one that comes into play, and and you maybe we're going to get to it anyway. Uh, power lines and any kind of lines down due to a severe storm, a tornado, whatever. Um, even if it's just a high wind and heavy rainstorm, you got an old tree and and, and the winds pushed it down, pushed it into a power line. If you have any kind of a line down in your in your yard whatsoever, don't try to guess as to what it is. Just assume that it is a live power line, not a dead power line. Assume that it is a live power line. Stay away from it. Call 911. Uh, in a lot of cases, we will get calls like that, and we'll come to find out it wasn't a power line. It was a cable line or something like that. But you are not trained to know that, and don't assume that a power just because the line's on the ground. Don't assume, and yet you, you don't see anything coming from it. Don't assume that it's that it's dead. It likely is still alive. Very good advice. Always assume it's a live power line. I remember my father when he was a little kid was out there touching some wires, and that's when his mother told him, "Don't you ever do that again." Yes. So, a good lesson, Chief Don McMasters. Thank you so much, and some important advice coming out of winter coming into spring, and thanks for being with us on Newsmakers. Thanks for having me. I'm Steve Brandy, sitting in for law for uh, Linda Bolton, and this is Newsmakers. Everybody be safe this spring, all right? Take care. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.